0: Good morning. good morning. Hello? All right. Your, your eyes are open so far, so that's good. <clears throat> um, appreciate Jackson. Uh, just me willing to, to do this this morning. You know, something a little bit different as far as we ran two services. We had a uh, pretty good crowd this morning, and uh, several of them were appreciative of having to get off and, and go be with some family for Christmas and celebrate this time, and I know many of you all have. Parties yet to come and get-togethers yet to come, and um, you ever get that moment where you're just running here and there and you just don't feel too Christmassy. Um, uh, it's it's not anything against the season; it's just being overwhelmed by it all. And so that's that's really one of the reasons we stopped and and did this series on why Christmas, uh, what is the reason for the season, and understanding that it's not just about. December 25th, or this week of madness, or maybe this month of madness, maybe you're kind of at that point, you're just kind of ready for, oh, just ready to unplug and be done, um, and yet more more to come. I know we we had Christmas with my family uh, yes, or not yesterday, uh, that was Friday, yeah, was Friday, today's Sunday, so that was Friday, you're here because it's Sunday, and it, yeah, uh, but uh, that's Friday, and I remember driving home yesterday, and just thinking, um, for some reason I felt like we were done. But then the reality hit, we've really only just begun um, because we still have ours and and Jamie's family to be with. And I don't know where you are this morning, um, but I do know this, a lot of times we can get so overwhelmed during this time of year, we really forget what it's about. And I think that happens. We get to December 26th, instead of saying Merry Christmas, we're more of the Scrooge saying Bah Humbug, and we're ready just to move on to the next. Um, But... Just to stop and pause and answer this question: Why, why Christmas? Why is this so important? Why do we focus on it every single year? Why do we stop and get together with family and friends and coworkers and peers? And, and why do we give gifts? And why do we sing certain songs this time of year? And why does the radio play certain songs almost all the time this time of year and every single day? And why do certain uh, programs only run this time of year? Why do we do this? It's not for the madness. Praise the Lord. Uh, There's a purpose behind it. And so we've talked about this. You have your Bibles with you. Make your way to Luke chapter 2. We started in verse 10 several weeks ago to understand that Christmas is about celebration. And the word of the Lord says, But the angel said to them, them being shepherds, Don't be afraid. And the reason the angel says don't be afraid, because earlier we're told that they were terrified. He says, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that would be for all the people. And that's just kind of an interesting uh, place that we stopped in understanding what this time of year is about good news of great joy for all the people. It, it is, that's what Christmas is. It is a celebration that God is proclaiming what we call the gospel, the good news, and it's for everyone. The Bible says God wants everyone to be saved, everyone to come to a knowledge and a saving knowledge of truth about Jesus Christ. And that moves us to our second point which we talked about last week is that Christmas is about salvation. Look there in verse 11. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. The Bible tells us that everyone here, everyone on this planet are sinners. It says that all have sinned in Romans 3.23, but the good news of Christmas is that we can be forgiven and salvation is for all who believe. That comes out of John 3.16. So this good news is proclaimed for all the people because salvation is for everyone. God proclaimed at Christmas, he is for everyone and loves everyone. And he extends this gift, which has to be accepted in order to understand God's love for them and and the meaning of this time of year. And that leads us to the final piece of what Christmas is about. And why we say Merry Christmas? Why we sing these songs? Why we have these movies? Why the radio is blasting certain songs all the time? I know I used to work in a, a grocery store growing up, and by the time Christmas got here, I was done with Christmas music. Anybody there yet? Not going to admit it, um, but uh, they were just played all the time. And I mean, I heard several renditions of Jingle Bells and all it from elevator music to Elvis Presley singing it to dogs barking it. And it just, I was like, I was done. I was done with Christmas stuff. And so to help us to understand why Christmas should be a part of our everyday life, that's why we're stopping. And the final piece of understanding what this time of year is about is to understand that Christmas is about Reconciliation. I know that's a word we don't use too often. I don't use it every day. matter of fact, the only time I usually use it is when I read the Bible and the word's there. So I want us to understand what reconciliation means. The word reconciliation comes from a Greek word we can pronounce, ayaso. And it means to exchange or change. And according to the Scriptures, what God does is He reconciles us through Him, through Jesus Christ to Himself, which means that God, through Jesus Christ, what Christmas is about is that God has given us the gift to change our relationship with Him. That's what reconciliation means. It is a change of a relationship relationship between God and man, and it only comes through Jesus Christ. And even though we kind of focus on this more when it comes to Easter and the cross. The truth of the matter is Christmas points to the cross. This is the whole reason we have sweet baby Jesus is that he was born that he might die for our sins and rise again that we could be forgiven what the Bible says reconciliation. But where do we see this in the Christmas story? Look here in verse 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 2. It says, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And as I read this story, and and maybe you're going to read it with your family later on before you open presents, kind of a tradition we have with our families. Make sure we we stop and really focus on what this time is about before we get into the the shredding of paper But I bet the shepherds, if you read through the story, I bet the shepherds were pretty happy one angel showed up first. The Bible says that they were completely terrified when that one angel showed up, and he had to say, don't be afraid. I don't know what you picture when you picture angels, but they're not cute babies in diapers with wings and bow and arrows. Uh, Anytime an angel shows up on the scene, the immediate response is fear, is terror. If you saw an angel in an alley, you would probably wet your britches. And I imagine that's what God does. He sends one angel because if the shepherds who are sitting out in the field watching the sheep and hearing them go ba ba ba, it's so quiet. You know, it was a silent night. But can you imagine if the multitude showed up at one moment in time? They would need the ba ba bathroom. It, it, it would just be a mess. But the, the angels show up after it's pronounced, this is what has taken place, and this invitation is for you to come and see what I've been doing. And then this multitude shows up to worship God and then let God be raised up. Glory to God in heaven. The word glory and the calling out of glory is to focus on God Is a calling of praise for who He is, what He has done, what He is going to do, and what He is currently doing in this moment. When we say glory to God is to completely focus on what God is actively doing in our lives, what He is actively actively preparing us for, what He has done in the past, it did us to this moment. It's because salvation, it focuses on God. It originates with God. It is all about God's work. And so the angel says glory to God in the highest. As He sits on His throne, yet He's come down to earth to bring this message of hope. And they say peace on earth there at the end of verse 14. Peace on earth to the people he favors. And that's kind of where I want to really focus this morning in asking the question, is that even possible? Is peace on earth even possible? You read newspapers, you watch news, you get it on Facebook, you, you, you get on the internet, and you see what's going on in the world, not just in the world, but here in America. The riots and protests, and, and here the angels are proclaiming peace on earth to people he favors and is that even possible is peace on earth even possible Now, I grew up in in the in the church went to Sunday school Bible study whatever you want to call it small group it doesn't matter however you call it and I, I knew growing up there were three answers to almost every question in church right someone asked a question in Bible study the answer is Jesus God or the Bible I don't know why we don't throw the Holy Spirit in there, but that's where we always seem to go. Jesus, God, or the Bible. And if you have ever watched beauty pageants, I have not, except for those you know, satire-type movies about them. I've also learned that almost every answer to every question in a beauty pageant is what? World peace and world peace. Is that possible? Is world peace possible? But here the angel is saying it is. That peace on earth to the people whom God favors is possible. So what the question really is, is what keeps us from this peace? Because if you're like me, there are times you don't feel Christmassy. There's times you're more like a Scrooge and you're more like ball humbug and you just want to get through the time and get it over with. And we don't have peace. So what is wrecking our peace? The answer to that is sin. The Bible says what wrecks our peace with God, what wrecks our peace in our life, in our heart, what wrecks our peace in any relationship we have is sin. And the reality of sin is sin is not prejudiced. It's not dictated by a particular region in the world. It's not held in certain social structures or economical structures. It's not held in certain governments. Sin has been in the world almost since the world began. And what sin does in ourselves and how it wrecks our peace is it puts pride in ourselves. It makes us feel that we're better. It makes us feel like we're in control, that we are, in fact, God over our own life, that we have a say. Sin says, I don't need God. I don't need to trust God. I can do things my way. And the Bible says, because of this sin, we have selfishness and arrogance and war and people backbiting. We have pride. And it also says in Proverbs 13, 10, that arrogance leads to nothing but strife. So when you watch the news, when you read the paper, and we see all this stuff coming out, here's what your spiritual lens should see. This is sin. This is happening because of sin. And it's just erupting and coming on the screen. And, and, and what we need to understand when we come to this peace idea and this sin idea is how we can portray it onto other people. And we can, we can put expectations on people that they can't live up to. The Bible tells us that there is no one righteous. Not myself, and and Merry Christmas, not you. We're all sinners before a holy God. We all fall short before His perfection and His holiness. But the reality is, is we can put expectations on people that they can't live up to. We've got our kids here this morning. How many kids are perfect? Christmas is coming. Everybody on the nice list, right? Good that's reality there's not a person in here who's got it all together but how many of us have put an expectation on somebody to only be heartbroken because they didn't live to that expectation now i understand some people just act out of sin and that's what leads to that but sometimes we can put such high expectations on people that it causes a lack of peace in our life and a lack of peace in that relationship so the only perfect person who ever lived on this planet is jesus christ And when we put expectations on people that only God can live up to, that's going to cause conflict. We're all sinners. There's no one righteous for God. No one can meet the expectations that God has except Jesus Christ. And so the remedy to this lack of peace, the remedy to sin, the remedy to to experience this peace is we have to look in the right spot. Peace on earth is possible. That's why the angels proclaimed it. That's the message God gave them to give to these shepherds. And so for us to find peace in our life in the midst of all the chaos, no matter if it's Christmas or some other time this year, believe me, 2018 is not going to have a year without storms in your life. They're going to come. But how can I maintain a peace that God promised to give me in the midst of it? I have to look in the right spot. You know, at our house, we have a drawer where we put our keys and and wallets and phones and uh, not phones, but uh, keys and stuff that we need to get to whenever we go out the door and and I don't know if you have a drawer like that because I used to lose my keys all the time and it just drives me nuts. And so if I forget to put my keys or wallet in that drawer, I'm like looking all over the house and I'm going crazy. It's panic. It's not peace whatsoever. I've come to understand as adult, every adult in here or, or young adult or adult to be, you all carry a security blanket. And you probably have in your pocket right now or you're looking at it on your phone. It's called a phone. Look. look. Yeah, anyway. Have you ever lost your phone? Ever misplaced it? It is the most unsettling thing in the world. I remember several years ago, and Jamie remembers this because she laughs about it still to this day. Um, we were in St. Louis. We were with my family. We went to the zoo. We went out to eat, and then we we're going to go to Ted Drews to did some custard. I didn't know uh, Charlie at the time, so I can say Ted Drews. Plus, he's not here, so we can talk about anything we want. You know, how about Brahms? You know, anyway. But anyway, so. Um, we, we, uh, we were going to Ted Drew's, and I, I was driving, and I started doing this. I left my phone. I, I lost my phone. I think I left it at the restaurant. And so I, my dad called the restaurant, and he gave me the phone. And I was very specific because I was in a, it was a state of emergency right? And so I was very specific with the person who answered the phone. Look, this is the table we were sitting at. It was a round table. There was a pole right by it. I sat by the pole. So my phone's got to be there, maybe under the table, under the chair. It's got to be there. So they went and looked, came back, said, sorry, there's nothing here. I said, well, did anybody turn anything in? I said, no, we don't have any phones and our lost and found. I said, well, okay, and maybe I dropped it in the parking lot. And so I was, I was coming up with this plan. Okay, everybody, I'm going to drop you off and then I'm going to drive back it took about 15 minutes to get from where we ate to, to get to Ted Drew's. I'm going to drive back, and then I'll come back and get you after I find my phone. Everything will be fine. I, know, I you know we've got two vehicles and all these people, but it'll be fine. It'll work out. And then my dad said, well, let's call it. Maybe someone picked it up, and they'll answer it, and they can tell us where they are, and, and we can make sure you're going to the right place. So my dad uh, calls my phone, and in the most Christian way I could in the car, I told everybody, shut up! gonna turn down the radio, and I'm listening here. It must be in the parking lot. I got to get it. Well, let's call it again. Let's call it again, and we're listening. Nothing. So we get out, and Jamie's like, well, just come eat, and we'll all go back together. it all work out. And, and so I get out of the car, and I'm looking under the seat of the car, and as I come up, I noticed that the reason I didn't hear my phone is because my uh, gluteus maximus was muffing it. I was sitting on it the whole time. The whole time. And so that's why I not only have my phone on Ring, it's on Vibrate now, just in case that ever happens, that I, I know where it is. But the problem was, it's not that, that not that I wasn't looking for my phone, it's I was looking for my phone in the wrong place. And a lot of us, we're looking for peace in the wrong place. We're looking for peace through, through money or through things of this world. And you'll never find peace that way. You'll always be finding peace wanting and lacking. And so to have peace, we have to begin by looking in the right place. The Bible says that Jesus comes to offer us peace with God. That's what it means to be reconciled, is to be reconnected. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies to God, still opposed to him, that Christ died for us. And so how do we obtain this peace? We obtain this peace through something I don't think many of us like to hear, but it's through complete surrender. Complete surrender. And let's understand what surrender means. Surrender means I come to a place in my life where I realize I am not I am. I am not God. And God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, always faithful. And so I don't have to be in control of my life. I don't have to have the plan all figured out. And trust me, I am a planner. I love to make plans and and know how things are going to work out. I don't have to have that because I know he does. And for me to have peace with that, I have to surrender, which means I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him at his word. I'm going to trust him that he is good. I'm going to trust him that he is faithful. I'm going to trust him that he loves me and he has his best plan for me. It may not always go the way I think it should go or the way I think it should look, but I know he's good. And so I can have peace with that because I know he is my shepherd and he has taken me to the best place I need to be. And sometimes that, that takes us through those valleys of the shadow of death. But the Bible says we need to come terms to terms with God and to be at peace. And in this way, good will come to us. It comes out of Job chapter 22. Not only does, does God give us peace, but Jesus offers us the peace of God. Not like a piece of pie or a piece of pizza, but the peace of God. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding and no matter what I'm going on in my life, I can have this Peace. God's got it all under control. No matter what storm I'm in the midst of, I have this peace because I know Jesus calmed the storm. I have this peace because I know God can do anything in the midst of whatever I'm going through. The Bible tells in Isaiah chapter 26 that you keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever because the Lord, the Lord Himself is the everlasting rock. The question we have this morning, if, if you're in the midst of a lack of peace, is am I trusting God in, in everything in my life? Am I trusting God will take care of my kids and my, my spouse and my family and, and the bills? Am I trusting God to be my provider? Am I trusting God to, to lead me to what I should be doing and how I should be doing it? Because until we trust God with everything He's already given us, it's already His. We're never going to have peace. Our heart and our, our minds are going to be a turmoil. We're just going to feel off. Our joy is going to be zapped. The Bible tells us that we should seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we should go after. And Jesus said that in the midst of knowing that you and I, we're going to wrestle with being worried and being anxious about the things of this world. But God wants us to have peace. He proclaimed it on the day His Son was born. Peace I want to give to you. Jesus also reveals that in order to have peace, we also have to make peace with others. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 9, that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called called sons of God. I think a huge thing we need to do as we set forth into a new year is to understand this. We have peace with God and have been restored with God so that we can make peace with others. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus, and now we are to be ministers of reconciliation. Now, peacemaker does not mean you avoid conflict. What it means is you seek to set a resolution to that conflict. And I understand there are some people that are just hard to come to a resolution with. And sometimes the way we make peace with that is we just have to let some things go. Just let it go. Walk away because it will eat you and tear you apart if you dwell on it. Let it go. The only thing that is keeping you from having peace with another individual, no matter how bad, and I'm not not trying to belittle anything, no matter how bad it is, is because of sin and selfishness. See, we feel we're entitled. We feel we're old. But when we come to Christmas, the reality is what we're entitled to is is hell. Is eternal separation from God. But because God loves us and is for us while we were still sinners, and he reconciled us to himself, now what we should be putting off is this ministry and message of reconciliation to make peace with all people. doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they do. But you love them the way God loved you. You give them grace the way God gave you grace. And you shine a light into their life. The Bible says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. For us to have the peace with God and peace with others, it requires us to have a forgiving heart. Forgiving doesn't mean forget. That's that's humanly impossible. Forgiving means I'm going to let this go and I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm just going to let it go. If they want to keep it, let them keep it. But don't let it weigh you down as you get ready to celebrate this time of year and you get ready to move on to the next year that is ahead. Why should we want to do this? Because this is why he was born. Why Christmas? Christmas is about celebration. It's about salvation. It's about reconciliation. It's about having a peace in our heart. The Bible tells us that everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to guess who? Us. That's our job. That's our job now. It's the ministry of reconciliation. So, my question this morning for you is and the answer can be Jesus, do you have peace today? Do you have peace in your relationships with people? More importantly, do you have peace with God? If you're here this morning and you've yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You understand that God extends this gift not on the criteria that you get your act straightened up or or you get your life all together, get it all figured out. He just extends this gift because He loves you and He is for you. And He's calling you to join this relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. The way we do it, the Bible says, is that we first have to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. Meaning, when Jesus came, He lived a life we couldn't. They placed him in a tomb after they crucified him, but he rose three days to give us victory over sin, which brings on death. It's what separates us from God. But God, since he's reconciling us, he exchanges our sin for Christ's righteousness and his holiness. That's what God is extending to you this morning. If you have yet to accept Jesus Christ, God is saying, will you accept my gift this Christmas for you of salvation? I promise you this: If you're here this morning, and that's what you need to do, and that's where you are, this place will celebrate with you as the heavens celebrate. But here, I want to lead you in a prayer. And after we say amen, I'm going to ask Jackson to go ahead and come on up. After we say amen, if this is your prayer this morning, then I'm going to ask. After we say amen, you just come on down the aisle and say, Pastor Mike, I prayed that prayer. I want Jesus in my life, and I want to be saved. Okay. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray for the individuals here this morning who are not in a relationship with you, who do not have peace with you, who are still in their sin and are separated. And Father, I pray that in this moment that they reach out to you, they, they hear you calling to their heart and you drawing them near to, them, to you. And, and in this moment, they come to understand that your son died for them. May he rose again that they could be forgiven. So Father, I pray that you give them the courage to step out of the aisle, to walk down and let it be known that they want the gift of Christmas in their life. Father, I also pray for us here as your children. Lord, I know you put people in our lives that can frustrate us. But Lord, let us be messengers of reconciliation, messengers of peace. Give us the strength, the courage, the willingness, the discernment to give the grace and the mercy and love that you've bestowed upon us. Let that just flow out of our lives. And as we go about the hustle and bustle of this this season and going from place to place, we do pray for your mercies of travel. We also pray for the heart of Christmas to be in us and coming out of us, that we are celebrating, that we are shining your salvation and your good news. I thank this time of year Lord, thank you for giving us this time when we stop and we just focus on what you did in stepping out of the heavens to save us. So Lord, be with that individual or individuals here who need to make that be known this morning as they come forward to confess you as their Lord and Savior. And be with us as your children and let us take your word to heart, not to be hearers, but doers of it. Forgive us if we failed you in any way. We praise on your son's name. I invite you to come.